0: Blessed be your name, in a land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name, blessed be your name, when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me when the world's all as it should be blessed be your name blessed be your name on a road marked with suffering though there's pain in the offering blessed be your name You give and take away, you give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away, you give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away, you give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name, you give and take away, you give and take away, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be your glory. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul.
1: Worship
0: his holy name.
1: Great Sing is thy life.
2: Morning. Wow, good morning. I do that every time. Welcome to Preston Chris. It's great to see everybody here this morning, and we're thankful that each of you have chosen to worship with us this morning. This I'm Stephen Miller and I'm one of the elders, and this is a faith community that loves God and loves others wholeheartedly. If you're visiting with us, we're particularly glad that you are here. And we hope you'll give us a chance to meet you following services. If you are a first-time visitor, Please take an attendance card in the pew back in front of you and complete it and take it to the Information Center, and where we would like to give you a gift expressing our gratitude for your attendance. As we do each week, we'd ask our members and registered visitors to please text the word check in to 469 476 5331 as it lets us know who all has joined us in person or virtually. This Saturday on the Preston Crest campus, packs and pencils, one of our largest community events, will occur. We will be handing out school supplies and backpacks to approximately 450 students as they start another school year. We need volunteers on giveaway day this Saturday, as well as help with setup on Friday night as we prepare for this event. If you have any questions, please contact Kate McCoy or Robert Stolte. Today is our fifth Uh, Sunday World Care Ministry offering where we collect a special offering to support specific one-time requests for great works around the world. This month's recipients are the Cone Cain Bible Institute, David and Mary uh, Nelson in New Zealand, Rob Henman in Reno, Nevada, and the the God's Children Ministry as well as other one-time requests. For more information about each of these recipients, I refer you to our bulletin on our website, under World Care. And finally, we want to acknowledge and thank our PCYG interns, Abby Masters and Johnny Knighton, for their time, energy, leadership, encouragement, and support they provided this summer with our young people. Today is their last official Sunday in this capacity, and we wish them well as they go out and back to college. Before we pray, hear these words from Psalm 46, 1 through 3 and verse 11, it says, God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the encouraging words from the psalmist who reminds us that you are our protector and strength. We acknowledge you as the Lord, our God, provider and one true God over all things. Our prayer is that we will have the confidence and strength to overcome our fears in this world, the the fears in this world that uses us to distract and discourage our pursuit of you. Give us more faith. Father, I wanna thank you for this community of believers who worship and serve here at Preston Crest. We thank you for their commitment to following your teachings and the encouragement, support and love they show each other and in our community. We are thankful for the opportunities to show the love of Christ in our communities. Bless those this week who will receive school supplies and backpacks from packs and pencils. Bless and protect all of our students and teachers as they begin a new school school year very soon. Father, this morning we ask you to heal those who are struggling with their health, those who are looking for jobs, who are grieving from recent loss, those who are discouraged or isolated or have other needs. May we lean heavily into you as our refuge and our strength in trying times and look to you for peace, comfort, and hope. Now, Father, I pray that you will bless this worship as we honor you and your son who love us with unconditional and immeasurable love. We offer this prayer through the the holy name of Jesus. Amen.
3: Boom.
1: We're going to sing one more song as we enter into this time of communion. And then Brandon Richardson is going to come and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. I
3: cast my to count.
4: happened, as he was alone praying, that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah, and others say one of the old prophets has risen again. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, The Christ of God. And he strictly warned them and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes. And be killed and be raised the third day. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the Holy Angel's. Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. This this morning we're gathered together around the Lord's table to remember His sacrifice. And it's this sacrifice and what God has done to bring it about and what it means for His people that is the central theme of Scripture. Ephesians 5, verse 2, And walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. You'll notice that in both of these passages, uh, God is asking something for us as well, sacrifice. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take his cross daily and follow me. The Christian life demands sacrifice. It demands sacrifice of our time, our energy, our means, our pride. For all of us, it means we sacrifice our time and energy to spend in prayer and in the word and in the assembly. For some of us it means sacrificing our favorite show or movie. Some of us it means sacrificing our favorite hobby or favorite activity. For others of us it means making sacrifices in our careers. And for certain Christians around the world and throughout history, the Christian life has demanded the sacrifice of their very lives on this earth. Let us not forget that he bought us at a price and now everything we have belongs to him. We were gathered around the Lord's table this this morning to remember his sacrifice. As we go out into the world this week, let us not forget the sacrifice he asks of us. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all, bow with me. Father God, we thank you so much for this time you've given us and this place you've given us to meet and to worship you this morning. God, we thank you for this emblem that represents the body of our Savior. And God, we thank you for the things that he did in in that body and submitted himself to obedience to you. And God, we pray that you'll help us to follow his example in that this week. Amen. Let's continue. Father, we thank you also for the emblem of the blood. God, we thank you for what the shedding of that blood means for us, God. We Help us to remember that we're not worthy of that sacrifice. and God, we pray that you would cleanse us of, of our sins and continue to do that as we continue to strive for you and make sacrifices for you as he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. It's in his holy name we pray. Amen.
1: Shall return in The
3: blazing shall pierce and, and I will rise among the saints. My on Jesus' face. Oh,
1: Well, there's a couple of ways that you can give this morning. You can drop your offering in the the box in the middle of the foyer if you if you brought that with you. You can give online. We have had that option for for several years now, and we thank you however you choose to give to to continue the kingdom work here at Preston Crest. Uh, we'll remind you again: this is a fifth Sunday, and on fifth Sundays we have World Care, and you can go to the website to find out what all is being uh, given to. Uh, with this World Care offering. I will add one thing that hasn't made it to the website yet. I got a call yesterday saying, hey, we're going to also uh, give to flood victims in Kentucky. And I know we've seen a lot of information about that on the news and read about that as well. But we've got people in Kentucky that uh, that are ready to receive those funds. So, so give what you can today uh, for World Care. And uh, please know that those are good things that we're giving to. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful that you allow us in your presence today. Thank you for joining us here. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. And thank you for Jesus the perfect gift. We give now. We offer our lives, our time, our resources, our commitment to you. And yes, we give this morning. We give our money. It's all yours anyway, Father. But it is good for us to be able to turn loose of some of our stuff. And so we do that now. Bless us as we give. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's watch a little bit more about Grief Share. Hey, Preston
5: Christ, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our Grief Share ministry led by Diana Gray. In life, sometimes we lose people we love. For those times when we experience loss and grief, we need God's grace and we need a group of good people around us. And Grief Share provides that. Grief Share is a 13-week program focused on helping individuals learn how to understand their grief and move forward again. Grief Share groups meet weekly to help you face these challenges and move toward rebuilding your life. Thank you so much for supporting Grief Share and other
1: ministries like it. So thankful that Mitchell Vick is here with us this morning. I know many of you know Mitchell. For those of you that don't, Mitchell and his wife, Isabel, uh, have partnered with us. Isabel has gone to be with the Lord now, but Mitchell has partnered with us uh, for many years uh, in the work in Scotland, and his daughter, Laura, and her husband, Clay, and their daughter, Erin, have brought Mitchell this morning. So let's welcome Mitchell this morning so glad you're here, brother. So glad. Let's all stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. Or we're going to sing one more, and then Gordon's going to come share with us this morning. Shout to the Lord all the earth and the sea.
5: That's well, cool having Mitchell here this morning. A legend of Preston Crest Missions. Done a lot of good for the Lord's church. So what did people do on vacation when they I mean before selfies and before cell phones? Uh, you'd you'd get a postcard. Right? Send a postcard to... Maybe you wouldn't send it. Maybe you'd just buy a couple postcards. Or maybe you would actually send a postcard to a loved one back home. That was the way you registered uh, that you had been to Rome or you had been to the beach. And Isla and I, and, and David and Claudia, we lived in a postcard city for a number of years in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, uh, and actually across the street, I've got a collection of antique postcards from Rio on the wall of my office. Uh, many of the postcards are, are, are postcards from Rio, are, are not things I would throw up on the screens on a Sunday morning. Too many bikinis and Speedos and that stuff. So you'll have to come to my office to view that collection. Um, But I'll say this, uh, the postcard, you know this, postcards tend to almost always present the picture-perfect, idyllic impression of a place. The amazing sunset with Rio, it's Corcovado statue, or it's Sugarloaf Mountain, it's happy people, it's happy places. That's what postcards are all about. Uh, And a lot of people, I think, are interested in working to present to the world their postcard life, yeah, their trip to Tahiti with the family, uh, their postcard kids who play on the select soccer team, their postcard spouse, their postcard golden retriever, their home, their car, it is that and never has it been more easy. Then now, in history, to present to the world your postcard life because of social media. But then there's the real you. We get below the picture on the outside where everything is so pretty and perfect. And we get to the real you, which Jesus speaks to in the Sermon on the Mount. And the real you, the real me, we've got some struggles, don't we? You get under the surface and you're going to find disappointment, maybe some depression. You're going to find financial struggles, perhaps health struggles. You might find some issues with conflict in your relationships. You might find an occasional bad decision even. The real me, the real you. And while we may be able to fool a lot of people, especially those who don't know us all that well, with our postcard lives that we put out there, we are never going to fool the son of God he knows what's going on with us all of it and he loves it despite all of that and he believes that we have potential and he wants to help us cultivate cultivate a true best life and so that's what we're working for but we've got to be saying yes to him about working below the surface about working at the heart level Instead of just spending all of our time with the manicured, cultivated image we put out there for everybody to see. So last week, Jesus talked about the righteousness of the Pharisees. And we talked about this group that we may not be super familiar with today, the Pharisees. They were genuinely good people for the most part. But they were very, very concerned with what people saw on the outside. They were experts At maintaining this postcard image of their spirituality. Um, And Jesus told his people, you've got to be concerned with having a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 5. And they had to be thinking, wait a second, exceeds that of the Pharisees? Those guys are pretty amazing at their level of spirituality. Well, what Jesus is going to say for the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is we've got to be concerned with a righteousness that goes beyond what people see. That is not simply surface level showcase, show home righteousness. It's the real thing. And of course, he's given us. Thank you, Jesus. He's given us his perfect righteousness through his sacrifice on the cross. And now he calls us to live this kind of righteousness that is a righteousness from the inside out, He accused the Pharisees over and over in his ministry with this postcard religion, right? Matthew chapter 23, we got boom, 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 boom. Just point after point Jesus makes about the facade of religiosity. He calls them whitewashed tombs. Like you guys, marble shining in the daylight, beautiful. But like a tomb on the inside, full of death, he says, Pharisees, your righteousness is like, uh, is like a cup or a plate that you shine and have all beautiful on the outside, but where it counts on the inside, decay and rot, verse 25. So this is pretty much a setup for the rest of what Jesus is going to say about living our best life, not our pretend life not our postcard life. So his first example, we're going to get several of these in Matthew chapter 5 and 6. The first of these is murder. By the way, of all of the commands of the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, this is one I've actually been able, I thought until encountering Jesus' words, I've been able to keep. I'm batting a 1,000. I mean, if this was a factory, you know, they have like 62 days without an accident, I would have over 50 years without a single murder. to my name doing pretty good on that. But Jesus begins to unpack. It's more than just the letter of the law. God is really interested in the Spirit. He's interested in our hearts, what goes on underneath. And so let's pick it up in verse 21. You have heard Jesus said that it was said to those of old, thou shalt not murder, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is what? angry. Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if, a couple of examples here. If you are hypothetically offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. So like you did something wrong and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Another example, court case. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny." So postcard Gordon, batting a thousand, never murdered anyone. Fantastic. But a look below the surface into my heart reveals there is some anger. There is some bitterness. There are some, from time to time, hateful attitudes, hateful words, hateful posts. Tons of room for improvement. Tons of room to grow into the image of Jesus if and only if I reject the easy postcard version of spirituality and seek the true righteousness that Jesus is after for me, that he calls, you know, my best life or my life in abundance, his words in John 10. Frederick Buechner, by the way, great writer, Buechner says this about anger. He says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun, to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll your tongue, uh, to roll over your tongue, the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. Ah, in many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. That carcass, that's you. You're destroying yourself through your anger. Now, to be clear, anger is neutral. Yeah, it can be bad. Yeah, it can be destructive. It can also be good. Anger can also be helpful. But obviously, Jesus is calling us to at least recognize in our hearts we do have anger issues. It's something we need to think about. It's something we need to handle well. And before you tell me, hey, Gordon, I struggle with a lot of sins, but anger is not one of them, let me just mention a few of the things that tend to make people angry, and maybe you'll see yourself in one of these. Something that makes some people angry is that they feel neglected, ignored, not seen, Maybe that has made you angry before. You felt that way. Another thing that makes people angry is when they are mistreated. When they are criticized unfairly. Maybe you've been angry before because at the office somebody took credit for your idea or your work. They got the promotion, not you. Maybe you've been angry before because your children didn't obey. Maybe you've been a little miffed or angry before because somebody gave you advice that you did not want, that you did not solicit. Maybe you've been angry because your spouse forgot the one thing you asked them to remember. Or you've been angry because the driver in front of you was going so slow. Or the driver that passed you was going so fast. Maybe you've been angry because somebody made an obscene gesture at you. Maybe you've been angry because somebody pushed you, shoved you, hit you, or touched you in an uninvited way. Maybe you've been angry before because the waitress messed up your order. Maybe you've been angry because somebody that you loved died. There are so many things... A vast menu of things that happen all the time in our lives here on earth that irritate us, that provoke us to anger. We all deal with this powerful emotion. Now, it's neutral, can be good, can be bad, depending on where it comes from and what it produces. The actions that come out of it. Some of the, by the way, some of the greatest crusaders, civil rights warriors in the United States that have accomplished so much good for our, for our country, they were motivated by a righteous indignation, by a holy anger. So good things can come out of it. But a lot of times what we see in our own homes, in our own neighborhoods, on our own streets is not so good destructive, unhealthy, toxic kinds of anger. Jesus taught that you don't have to kill someone to be guilty of breaking that commandment. You can kill someone in your heart. Um, You can be subject to judgment because you are angry with your brother. The law can be violated in here before it's ever violated out here in my behavior. Being a disciple, having Jesus truly reign in my life, be sovereign in my life, it is not about getting a few rules down pat or producing an external postcard appearance of of Christian-iness that impresses others. It is mostly, being a disciple, it is mostly about our hearts. It's like the lady who went for a checkup to the doctor, annual checkup, Blood work came back. Blood sugar was pretty high. The doctor told her, I know you love your Coca-Cola. I'm going to need you to cut out the Cokes. She went cold turkey. Didn't have any more Cokes. Made the switch to Dr. Pepper, right? (laughs) Oh, cholesterol numbers up a little bit too. Cut back on the French fries. She did. She went to waffle fries, you know? It's not about the letter of the law. It's the spirit that we're after. It's below the surface. It is our hearts. The letter of the law can kill if you miss the spirit of the law. Jesus mentioned, mentions calling someone raka, Aramaic for knucklehead. He says, do not do that. He mentions calling someone moros or moron. Might be translated, you fool in your Bible. He says, don't do that. One, you can be subject to the judgment of the council, civic punishment. Other, you can be subject to the hellfire. Um, so kingdom people. They recognize they are imperfect. They recognize that their brothers and sisters are imperfect as well. And they love them and they respect them and they look out for them and they try to edify them instead of looking for opportunities to tear them down. Instead of looking for that perfect sarcastic remark or that insult they can throw their name. Jesus teaches that committing murder is not simply some external event that happens That's just the fruit. He says it starts in the roots. It starts in the heart. And unless the roots of the tree are healthy, the fruit will not be healthy. Now you can see the fruit. If you've ever been to ham orchards and collected your peaches, you can see it right there. What you can't see are the roots. And if the roots are diseased, that fruit is not going to be any good. And Jesus says we've got to be concerned with what's below the surface. Not just the outward act of murder, but the inward anger that brings about that outward act. That's what we need to be concerned with. There is, according to Jesus, clearly in this passage, a cost, a high cost that accompanies unresolved Anger Talks about the judgment from the Sanhedrin. Talks about hellfire in verse 22. There's even an economic cost. I mean, he's got people headed to the courthouse. That's not cheap. Lawyer up in front of the judge. In fact, he says, you may end up paying till the last cent gets paid off. Anger is expensive. The day-to-day price tags are high. The parent who explodes in rage and crushes the spirit of their child. The spouses who get accustomed to the language of insults and digs and criticism. The workplace that's volatile and unproductive because people are always angry. Is that more? More or less productive. Less productive, right? And then, of course, physical violence that comes sometimes, even leading to death. Toxic rage. It does have a high price tag. Wait a second, you're thinking, didn't Jesus get angry? Jesus did get angry, but he got good and angry. There is such a thing as an anger that is good, that is righteous. Anger is neutral. It can be good it can be bad depending on the reason for it and depending from the fruit of it, the consequences that flow out of it. To put it another way, it is possible to be, like Jesus, it is possible to be good and angry. It is. There are times when you and I, we're, we're going to have strong feelings about the injustices we see, about how other people are being disrespected, marginalized, and hurt. And we should feel some feelings about that, an anger that comes from God's heart to see what is wrong in the world be made right. That is a good thing. We want to see people treated well, honored, and loved. Jesus got good and angry, couple of times in his ministry at least other stuff we probably don't have recorded for us but there was that one time in the temple he comes into the temple the house of God walks into the temple courts and he sees these poor worshipers that have come from near and far maybe a weeks long journey to get there to worship their God and then in God's house they get exploited The money changer rates are off. They're paying way too much of that Roman money to buy that temple shekel. You had to use shekels at the temple. Couldn't use that pagan money. And so they'd get ripped off doing that. They got ripped off when they brought their lamb or goat before the priest. Has to be without defect. The priest says, I see a defect there. Let me upsell you to a better lamb, a better, more perfect goat. And then 20 minutes later, that once defective lamb, the priest sells to some other sucker. Jesus was not happy at what he saw in the temple. And yeah, he started turning over tables and yelling at people. He got good and angry. A lot of the time, though, unlike Jesus, we're getting angry about much smaller things. And instead of angry at the injustice out there, we're angry at the little slight. The little thing that got done to us, the pizza delivery guy, was 30 minutes late. How dare he? That's what we get angry about. And that's not an anger that pleases God. So Jesus saw below the postcard of pretending and talked about the sickness of our spirits. Uh, By the way, think about the Pharisees again and their appearances and the postcard faith. I was listening to a, um, a Jeff Daniels uh, a podcast that he was on the other day. And I love Jeff Daniels and love just hearing him talk and stuff. But he, had, he said, you know, he's a professional actor. And he called his, pro- his profession, I thought this was brilliant. He said, it's, it's professional pretending. That's what actors do. And the Pharisees, some of them were professional pretenders. We, we want something deeper. We want a real walk with Jesus. So the Lord got good and angry at times. Other times, when he was insulted and ridiculed, he declined to get angry. And we need to follow his example in that. Peter writes in 1 Peter two twenty three. He did not retaliate when? When he was insulted. Nor did he threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. I've been hurt. I've been slighted. I'm going to let God take care of that. I'm not going to carry that around in my heart. Anger can ruin beautiful things. Anger can ruin sacrifice and service. Imagine Jesus. If he had been hanging on the cross and instead of, you know, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Imagine if Jesus had started cursing and insulting those people who had unjustly put him up there and committed that violent act against him, it would have ruined this act of love and sacrifice, wouldn't it? So unresolved anger, this jumps out of the text this morning. Unresolved anger is at odds with living our best lives. James has this to say in James 1 verse 20. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Read that with me. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we don't want that. There are, yes, unavoidable irritations, speed bumps in life that are going to tick us off. There are anger-inducing situations that can't be avoided, yes, There are also sources of anger, fuels for our rage that we choose. Will you identify those? And will you turn away from those instead of choosing those? Are you more or less angry after you get off of Twitter or whatever social media platform you're getting on? Do you always get stirred up and ticked off by what you see online? Then why are you choosing to spend three hours a day on that Facebook feed? Why are you following that person on Twitter that always makes you mad? Maybe you need to take a hiatus from that or spend 30 minutes a day and and no more. Or delete your account. Why, for some of you guys, why do you have that cable news station playing as your default in your living room all day long? Like if nothing else is on, we've just got that channel running, when that channel just stirs you up and makes you mad, you're choosing that. You know, by the way, you know this, they have to keep you angry so that they can make money they can keep your eyeballs. They can sell you your my pillow, right? They need to keep you good and angry. So why are you choosing that when it doesn't lead to the righteousness that God has for you? Unresolved anger doesn't produce your best life. So why are you fanning the flames? Another principle we can pocket. Jesus says to handle our anger quickly, or let's just say as quickly as possible, instead of letting it fester. He's got a couple of illustrations. One of them is a church illustration, or a temple illustration. This person, they show up to worship God, great. They show up with an offering for God, that's great. They come to the altar and Jesus says, hey, somebody has something against you. In other words, you wronged someone else, just set it down, And first, his word, first, go and make things right with that person, probably involving a, I'm sorry, I wronged you, I blew it. Then come back and make your offering. In other words, make things right before you worship. God cares about your relationship. He cares about community. Go immediately, Jesus says. Then make your offering to God after you deal with that outstanding issue with someone else. Unresolved anger, you know this, it starts kind of like a train going down the tracks. It starts getting more and more momentum. Paul wrote to the Ephesians chapter 4, be angry, okay, and do not sin. How do I pull that off? Well, one thing, do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, deal with it promptly. Don't let time pass or you give opportunity to the devil. You give the devil a foothold in your heart. Like if your strategy in dealing with anger is the pretend postcard strategy, sweep under the rug, pretend everything is okay, no big deal, me angry, no, not at all. If your, if your strategy to push it down is to like repress it, you're giving the devil an, uh, an invitation, right? Sign sealed and delivered, come on, into my heart and wreck it. Paul says, don't do that. It's worth mentioning uh, in that story again, the one that's making the offering is actually the one who wronged someone else. And so they're, they're encouraged to go and take care of that, to say, I'm sorry. And that's just kind of a reminder right there in the text because he used that word brother over and over again. Jesus is reminding us, we're together, we're a family. We are a community. Today is not just about, oh yeah, I've got an anger issue. I need to learn to work with my anger issue. Well, yeah, but... You need to help me with my anger issue too. You need to help others with the struggles they have as well because we're in this together and it does take maturity and it does take humility to walk up to someone and say, yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about what I posted or what I said. Shouldn't have done that. So Jesus wants us to settle matters quickly before the spiral of rage develops momentum and he encourages us to honor our sisters and our brothers and our connections with them. This means at times to break a cycle of anger and strengthen the community, I need to seek someone out and say, I'm sorry. If I'm content with a postcard faith, What counts is me showing up and checking the boxes. Did that, did that, did that. Very religious, very Christian today. But Jesus wants something deeper, doesn't he? He wants something below the surface. He wants community. He wants us to be real with each other, own up to the ways that we fall short. One final word from Jesus, we'll wrap it up here, is he talks again at the end of the the stories he tells about the cost of anger, about the terrible consequences of not dealing with it. Um, He talks about verse 25, this unresolved, this mismanaged anger leading to a place where someone is locked away in prison. Anger can be so confining and lonely and isolating like a prison cell. It can do that to us. Life without parole, the angry person, as long as that anger is unresolved. Your best work environment is not an angry one. Your best marriage environment is not where you guys are insulting each other and getting angry with it. Your best parenting is not done from a place of anger. Your best driving on Central Expressway is not the angry version of you. Jesus calls us to get below the surface of the letter of the law and to think about our hearts. So let's ask him for help. We all struggle with this. Let's bow our heads. Let's talk to him as we close out today. Lord Jesus, we do need your help with our anger. We lift up your name. We praise you. We surrender our lives to you. Thank you for the salvation you won for us on the cross. Thank you for absorbing the wrath of the enemy and setting us free and giving us forgiveness. Now we ask you to help us move deeper and deeper into the life, the best life, the life in abundance. That you have for each of us. And together as a community of believers. Here at Preston Crest. Lord we don't want to be a postcard church. With postcard believers. Manicured lawn. Fresh coat of paint. Everything is beautiful. We don't want to be content with a polished exterior. Of apparent righteousness. We want you, we want your righteousness, we want your reign to happen in our lives from the inside out, and that's what we ask from you today. Amen. This morning, a couple things as we finish up. One, we do have our membership class, PC101, or membership class. I don't know why we're cooking. Coffee and conversations. It's not really class anymore. Sit around, get to know elders, get to know about the church, and that'll happen on September the 11th. We'd love to have you be part of that. Uh, Maybe this morning uh, you have a prayer need. There's a lot of ways you can get that to the elders uh, through church teams. You can drop one in the box out there. You can come down and pray with us right now this morning or pray with somebody beside you before you leave this room. Maybe this morning you need to cross that line of faith. Surrender your life to Jesus. However we can help you. Let's respond as we stand and worship his holy name. Love one
3: another, the
2: worship with us this morning, and Gordon, thank you for the challenge to take things that frustrate us in our life. It looks like I'll be turning off the Dallas Cowboys this fall, so <laughs> join me in that venture. This, and there's probably other teams I could mention, but I'll, I'll stay with the Cowboys, so. Um, we're really, um, hopefully you'll come back tonight this evening at six o'clock as Gordon leads us in another discussion on the church's DNA from the book of Ephesians, and before um we read our take home verse together, we want to announce that today is the last Sunday that Erin Fowry will be serving as our associate youth minister. Erin has done amazing things in her tenure here at PCYG, partnering with Brian and Kelly, but more importantly, loving and supporting our youth, especially our young ladies. Erin will be missed, but she has chosen to leave Preston Crest and move to Searcy, Arkansas to seek a lifestyle and ministry that helps her be the best version of herself. Aaron, I see you back there. We love you. And we're so thankful for your time with us this morning or this year and wish you nothing but the best as you start a new life in in ministry in Searcy. So now, as we're dismissed, let's read the take home verse from Proverbs 3, verse 5, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Have a great week.